Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. It is Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. Me and Shaka are back to talk about this past weekend's games. Shaka, um, if you had to articulate in one word what happened this past weekend, what would that word be? One word? Man, you're really making it hard. Um, bizarro. There you go. That's I think that's what I was looking for. I mean, down is up. Up is down. The Browns won. The Bills crushed the Vikings. I, I, I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't know who I am anymore, Sam. I, I've got no fucking idea what's going on. I mean, to see the Bills go up 27-0 on the Vikings at the half was, was a they, shock to me. They dominated them. They, they dominated them. Kirk Cousins, I mean... He's probably having just hot flashes of just a blindside blitz. I, dude, and and to think this is a Vikings team that many people were picking to go to the Super Bowl. Well, that took a knock this weekend. Dude, you can say that again. It was, you know, I think, and I'm going to say this, I think historically weeks two, weeks three, I mean, the whole first month of the season is very unpredictable. I mean, I play pigskin, pick them on ESPN. Those are some of my worst weeks. I think I got half of the games wrong. Um, and I also do the eliminator challenge, you know, every week, like pick one team and the first three weeks I've gotten all the games wrong. You know what? I'll give you that. It's always kind of an aberration because I mean, there's no better rationale. There's nothing I can really explain just what the hell is going on right now with some teams. I mean, we're, I think a lot of these teams, you know, we've talked a lot uh, more and more about how September is still just an extension of training camp. You know, they're still figuring out what their team is, who their players are. There's chemistry and rapport that's still being built. And you see sort of these moments of brilliance, which, you know, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then, you know, by October, November, I think, you know, the Dennis Green, you are who we thought you were, starts to come out. Um, I think that ties perfectly kind of into what our conversation is going to be like today. So in in that vein, let's talk about the Browns and the Jets. So the Browns beat the Jets in Cleveland on, on Thursday night football. It was their first victory in, in nearly two years. Um, and listen, Baker Mayfield came into the game. He looked fantastic. He's been named the starter. You know, I think Tyrod Taylor had a concussion. He might be clear. It doesn't matter at this point. I don't even know if Taylor's ever going to get on the field again if, if Mayfield is uh, is healthy. Right. But I don't want to talk about that right now. There's 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 a fair amount of stuff we can say about the Browns. I want to talk about the Jets. Okay, the Jets are your team. You know, uh, if anything, Sam Darnold and and the sort of the the ebbs and flows of this new era in, uh, with the Jets is really what I want to. I want to rip apart because I feel like that's the guts of of what we really look into when we talk about this Jets team. Um, so tell me from your perspective. I want to hear some of your thoughts on what you saw. You know, we're seeing more of the Jets now, and you know, I thought that the, I think the Browns have a hell of a defense, and I think that that's something that's a big difference maker right now as they get deeper into the season. Is their defense is for real? They're not just a shit stain anymore. Yeah, and so. That was the thing that really kind of shook me because I'm going to come right out and say it. I picked the Browns to win this game. I, it's crazy to say that. I, I don't want to admit it, but I did. And part of me was because I thought that this defense was going to give Sam Darnold some trouble. So and you alluded to it last week. You alluded to it a little bit. About go ahead. Yeah. Not, you thought you could handle handle our defense, and I see your point. You know, they got Jabril Peppers, they got Miles Garrett. You know, they got a couple young guys. Denzel Ward. They have a couple young athletic guys in that defense that can mm-hmm. really get after it. Uh, TJ Carey, who I really like. 
I think he's going to be, you know, even more dangerous. I, I really like their, their the composition of their defense. I don't think they have it all together yet on big um, downs. I agree. But I think that in this game in particular, especially in the second half, they really kind of came through and stabilized a bit. Now, yeah. I mean, in the Jets' defense, the defense in that first half really got after it. The motor was there. I mean, they gave Tyrod Taylor everything he could handle. Yeah. I mean, he had 22 yards passing. I'm sorry, was it 22? I think it was 19, 19 yards. yards passing. 19 yards passing. I mean, you know, he's 4 for 14. He got sacked three times. I mean, they just really hurried him out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. And the defensive scheme was just really to get after it. And they they, they know Tyrod Taylor. They experienced this. They played him in the, in the conference before when he was with the Bills. Yep. It was pretty much the same strategy. They actually have the personnel now to kind of, you know, realize that, chase him out of the pocket, and really force him to kind of scramble and throw uh, technique. And he's not really good at it. I thought, I thought he was much better in Buffalo, but really has not panned out for him so much in Cleveland. No. And really, I, I thought the Jets had a handle on this thing until Tyrod went down. You know, I totally agree. I totally agree. Because even though, listen, I picked the Browns, but I mean, it was a totally different game once Mayfield came in the game. And I don't think that's, I'm not trying to knock Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying, I think that a big part of it was the Jets were just not prepared for Baker Mayfield and they didn't know what the hell to do when he came in. And I have to be really careful about, because I don't want to knock Baker Mayfield either. I mean, the guy was 17 for 23. Dude, he looked great. You can't, you can't downplay that. You can't really criticize that and say, you know, blah, blah, blah. They definitely were not prepared for him because I feel like they blitzed a lot less. Mm. They really, I think, I think the, and I'm going to put something out there. It was announced, I think, to, earlier today or last night that, you know, Todd Bowles is going to be taking over some of the defensive play calling I, for the Jets. I saw that specifically in the final two minutes, I think they were saying. Yeah. So I think some of, and I think some of this goes into a lot of stuff I saw during the Jets game. There were some misassignments. There was mm. some confusion. When um you know Baker Mayfield was running that hurry up offense, it was just like they literally were not they were not prepared for it. Like and, and there was a, I remember one particular play where Mayfield was running the hurry up offense, and the defense was not set. But you could see guys you know in the middle of the field linebacker didn't know what his assignment was. He's looking around to see what he was supposed to be doing in his coverage scheme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Safety was confused, and the snap went off. And luckily, it was an incomplete pass to the sideline. But there was a guy open in the middle of the field. There was yeah. another instance, you know, Antonio Callaway, like their rookie wide receiver from Florida, who's pretty fast, um, had a wide open touchdown pass on the sideline. But he got lucky. Mayfield threw it to, uh, you know, probably one of the best wide receivers in the game right now, Jarvis Landry. But they, they missed an open touchdown. Like the Jets defense just looked a little bit, you know, flustered in that second half, like completely night and day um, transition. And I think that gave the Browns way more opportunities to kind of get at them and score. You know, it's crazy to think that having Taylor knocked out of the game is was sort of the best thing that could have happened to the Browns. It's weird. I mean, honestly, it's kind of – that's the frustrating part for me is inexcusable that the Jets – I mean, you got to be prepared to play against any quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, I know you scheme for one guy during the week. But, again, I'm not knocking a Baker Mayfield, but he's your prototypical quarterback build. That should be kind of your standard, you know, game prep for that kind of quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, guy who three-step, five-step drop in the pocket. You should be ready for that. And it just looked like they they completely forgot, you know, they forgot who was on first base. Like, they forgot the fundamental kind of, you know, football knowledge they should have. So, I mean, that, that second half, 
you go back and you look at the video, Mayfield was throwing these, you know, little 10-yard, 5-yard outs to the sideline. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really... He wasn't really carving him up down the middle. No, but he was he was squeezing in these these yeah. these long passes and with you know receivers toe touching on the sideline. Hurry up offense. It was a textbook hurry up offense kind of you know play scheme, and it worked. And look, Jarvis Landry again. I wish Quincy Enunwa is the poor man's Jarvis Landry. Let's just be honest. Completely about it. agree. I wish he had the kind of you know skill set that Landry has. So I mean, first and foremost, if you get, if you can, you double you double up on Jarvis Landry. And, you know, you really kind of have to get after him. And they let go their other fantastic wide receiver in uh, Josh Gordon. So, I mean, it's really a couple things you really have to key in on. Because David Njoku is good, but he's not really taken over as he's, you know, he's not a Gronk. No. He's not one of these other premier. It's Zach Ertz we could put in that class, too, an elite guy. Mm-hmm. You can't really, you know, you don't really have that many targets to kind of key in on. You know, so it really, there were some frustrating things that really, really kind of, ate away at me and but let's not get away from the fundamental sam Darnold didn't have a great game yeah i mean look we know he's gonna have growing pains and as a rookie quarterback in this league you're gonna have those instances where you just look a little bit you know like you're in the wild you're out of your element and Darnold definitely showed that he's 15 for 31 through two interceptions and i mean really not i wouldn't say so much it was all attributed to pressure that he threw those picks, but I mean, one was definitely just a bad call. Yeah, I and, feel like one of them wasn't it like towards the end of the game, like he was just trying yeah. to push the ball down the field. Yeah, I think he was just trying to make something happen. And I remember he w- he was saying, "I wish I would just trust my gut and the process that goes into this." So I think there's there's still some definite fundamentals in terms of you know just getting a feel for the game, and you can tell he he's still having trouble reading the defensive sets and yep. the looks and the blitz packages that are coming at him. And that's going to take time. That I mean, I'm going to tell you this now, but this is some shit that I'm going to be ranting about as the season goes on. Preach. Where, I mean, it's just going to be part of the growing pains where it's just, you got to pick up the packages. You got to look at the sets and know what's going on. So you got to look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes where literally, you know, um, Andy Reid said, when this is all said and done, Patrick Mahomes is going to owe Alex Smith a mansion. Because he taught him how to read all the blitzes. As he was being the starter, he went back and taught Patrick Mahomes all these things that he was going to have to look for and pick up the blitz. And, you know, all these little nuances that make the game, you know, so different from the college level. The Mm. speed is not just the only aspect that changes. It's the intelligence. The intelligence has to get to another tier. So we're looking at Patrick Mahomes and we're just raving about how brilliant he is. He had a year to kind of get groomed and acclimated to the changes in the NFL. Sam Darnold, unfortunately, is going to have to do this as a starter. So it's going to be a little bit messy. Yeah. I mean, dude, the truth is he got thrown into the fire. You know, this was a short week. And as we can say whatever we want about the Browns, but we just spent time talking about how they've got a pretty solid defense. And, yep. you know, I, I I don't think I can say anything other than what you said. This is a growing pains game. He certainly learned from it. He didn't play as well as he probably should have. I mean, they had a great game plan. That whole first half was a great game plan. They went right down the field. They put 14 points on the board. You know, in some regard, that should have been enough to sort of just hold the lead, maybe kick a few other field goals, and, you know, have defense run out this clock and just seal the win. But, you know, we just said it. It was a completely different game once Mayfield came in. Yeah, I can't really knock many other aspects. I mean, the play calling was 50-50 pass to rush, and the running backs did a great job as well. They contributed. They they got those big key touchdowns. 
But, I mean, at the end of the day, part of it is going to have to be Sam Darnold is going to have to smarten up, and the defense is going to kind of have to – well, they just have to stay consistent. It, you know, and I think we're going to see what happens going forward. Next week they got the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not going to be an easy game. You know, they had six pro bowlers last year, and, and you put a young, inexperienced quarterback up against that kind of defensive pass rush pressure – and just with fantastic, you know, quarterbacks on both sides of the football, it's it's going to be it's going to be a rough one. I mean, I, I I obviously I'm looking at the Jaguars to win this, but I'm hoping it's not in a complete just domination of the Jets. I mean, it's it's going to be scary because he's going to go up against another tenacious defense. But I mean, listen, if it will be another test. It will be another step yeah. in this growing pains process. It's it, He's going to have to face these defenses inevitably. And, you know, we saw from this past weekend that the Jaguars, you know, they're not that great on offense. I mean, they lost to the Titans 9-6. No. to six. And Pretty bleak. I, I mean, it's, it, listen, I know they put on a show last week against the Patriots, but, you know, the Jaguars have their flaws on offense as well. And, you know, if the Jets are able to kind of sputter the Jaguars' offense, there's no reason to think that Sam Darnold and this Jets team can't pull out a win. I mean, I'm listen, the Jaguars, I'm not penciling them in as a playoff team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, it will be another test. But I got, I got faith that the Jets can at least bounce back and compete, and there's no reason in my mind to think that they can't pull out that win. Absolutely. Like I said, man, look, I, I really – this year for me, the fundamentals that I know about Sam Darnold, he's got a great arm. He he has the right instincts for a quarterback in this league, and I think he has the potential to do well. I feel a lot more strongly about him than I did about God. I mean, Mark, Mark Sanchez, Sanchez. Woeful Mark Sanchez. I'm mean, oh, sorry. Did you say Christian Hackenberg? Look, who? Look, Sanchez had a much better defense behind him when he came in. He didn't have to carry so much of the weight on offense because that defense was still to this day probably the best best Jets defense I ever saw oh my in God. my time watching football. So Darnold's got a lot more on his shoulders. And I got to think about it. Look, Carson Wentz, his rookie year, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Yep. He had his growing pains to go through. And, I mean, obviously you can look at him now and say that he's obviously grown immensely. And that's the difference between, you know, learning the defensive packages and then understanding it. Mm. It, changes, it changes the outlook on the game completely. Well, speaking of Carson Wentz, let's use that right now to transition into the Eagles beating the Colts. So my Eagles team came out. They they looked okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna rant a little bit. Is it all right? Can we move on to this game now? Please. So Eagles win twenty to sixteen. Um the takeaways that I had from this game is number one Eagles come out, Carson Wentz, first drive, like, fucking surgical. Moves right down the field. Everything's from the shotgun. The entire drive is drawn up and pre-planned. I mean, the Colts didn't even have an answer. He went right down the field, scored a touchdown. It looked simple. It looked easy. Um, There was excitement. There was, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's back. He doesn't... He wasn't very mobile, though. They didn't call any plays where he had to move around. He really didn't do anything under center. They didn't challenge him that much. And then... The Colts come out, and the Eagles' defense steps up and does their job. Now, the other storylines from this game were that inevitably Carson Wentz had to get mobile, and he was able to be mobile. He got hit a few times. He scrambled out of the pocket a few times. I saw him run for a first down. I mean, he he can move. The knee, whatever the situation, I'm sure every announcer is going to sit there and say, you know, 
you know, he's 100%, he's back, because I just saw him scramble for a first down. It's like, whatever the fuck the case is, the guy's mobile. It doesn't really seem to be a hindrance. It doesn't seem like he is. he's in his head. However, the other thing that stuck out about the game was the defense for the Eagles really winning the game. Now, I did watch this game, and for Andrew Luck, you can say whatever you want about him. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. This offense couldn't do jack shit, okay? Uh, There were multiple times when the drive stalled, and the only times that the Colts were actually able to score, there were two different drives where they got a chunk play that just flipped the board. You know, there was a third down where Andrew Luck rushed for a 30-yard gain to put him in, you know, field goal range. There was a, a pass interference play for 33 yards that put him in the red zone. But and, uh, and the Colts were only able to come away with one touchdown. Every other time they kicked field goals. You get to the second half when the game is still kind of close because after the first drive, Carson Wentz couldn't really move the ball that well. And then Carson Wentz made two atrocious turnovers in the Reds. Uh, actually, no, in his own territory. So first he throws an absolutely inexcusable interception, like season one rookie year Carson Wentz type interception, where the Colts have the ball on the 20-yard line, and essentially the Eagles' defense holds them to a field goal. And then the very next drive, Carson Wentz gets a strip sack, fumble, the Colts get the ball again in the red zone, the Eagles' defense hold them to a field goal. So... Andrew Luck really wasn't able to move the ball down the field. Even when the Colts were in the red zone, the defense essentially bailed them out and either got a turnover or were able to hold them to a field goal. And then in the end, the Eagles were able to do what they needed to do. It was a close game. I want to say, I think that Colts might have even been up by a field goal. But at the end of the game... They were up up for a second. The end of the game, you will... Oh, yeah, you're right. You will notice that in the fourth quarter... The Eagles had an 11-minute, 14-play drive. It just suffocated the Colts. However, I'm going to tell you this right now, Shaka, I watched that entire drive. It was a dogshit drive, okay? There were multiple third down and fourth down situations where the Eagles did not convert but got bailed out by a defensive penalty. There was a fourth and five play where the Eagles, I think they did like um like a crossing route to Zach Ertz and, you know, Wentz did not hit him, but there was like a penalty. There was a holding penalty on the defense. They get a first down. And then within three more plays, they're in third and 17. They get another defensive holding penalty. They get a first down. Like that kept the drive alive, moved them all the way down the field. And inevitably they scored a touchdown. They won the game. So the Colts kind of got them back in the game, really let them, you know, gave them so many opportunities to gift them the game. But what I come away with is, you know, everyone's sort of just like, oh, Wentz is back. Hooray. He won a game. No big deal. Me as the fan, I watched this game. There's still a lot of problems with this Eagles team. They are still not 100%. They still do not look super dominant. If anything, the defense that no one's talking about is the team that's kind of doing whatever the hell they can to to keep this team in it. Um, So now that I've ranted and raved a little bit about this Eagles-Colts game, are there any thoughts that you have, some initial ideas that you have, or some things that you're taking away from this game? Well, I mean, when you really kind of break this thing down, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I almost texted you during the game because I was like, I didn't know Jordan Matthews was back on the fucking roster. <laughs> I was stunned. I was like, wait a minute. Did, did I dream that he played for the Bills? Did that happen? Uh, it so, happened. <laughs> so, I mean, I, if I was going to point at something kind of glaring, in this offense right now is definitely 
And it's, it's very similar to the problem with the Jets. It's a lack of depth at the wide receiver position, yeah. which is why, again, I, I mean, they, they signed Jordan Matthews right like two days before the game. Yeah. So, I mean, Zach Ertz is a godsend, man. I really, that he just really, uh, that in terms of being that just relief valve for Wentz, I really wish they get Aguilar more involved uh, in terms of, it's kind of similar to the role he had last year, but there's just not enough of a deep threat. You know, real quick, can I t- comment on that? I was watching the game plan. Nick Foles was force-feeding Nelson Aguilar through the first two weeks. Carson Wentz wasn't doing that so much. I mean, not that he yeah. wasn't using Aguilar, but he was really force-feeding the ball to Ertz. Just just a little difference between those two quarterbacks. Yeah, things have, things have really changed. And I remember last year, I mean, when you looked at Aguilar's career with the Eagles when he started, he was the guy you didn't want to cook you down the field. He was a deep-threat guy who would catch one or two bombs, you know, in a game, and then last season he really changed into a possession kind of guy where, mm-hmm. you know, his targets went up, but he wasn't killing you deep. He would be the guy to get you a quick 12 yards, yep. 7 yards, and it really worked really well. Four for yards for the first down. Except the chain's moving, man. Aguilar, and I really had not looked at Aguilar in that light, and I said, hmm, maybe this is actually a better role for him in this offense. And then this season, I thought that was just going to be something you kind of continue with. You know, look at the same way the Patriots have that guy who moves the chains and a Danny Amendola, you know, or just that they have that one guy who, regardless of what, you know, you'd see a Tom Brady looking at down the field, if there's nothing open deep, you got that one guy who's going to give you some yardage. And I think that's something they're going to kind of have to revisit with this offense. Yeah. Uh, I think Wentz, you're right. Wentz was a hundred percent sharp, but I want to kind of attribute that a little bit to, you know, his first game, first, first game back from a, fucking destroyed knee you know not really getting a chance i i mean you know granted i think he got some time to practice with the first set offense in the offseason but i mean just really not feeling in the rhythm and feeling super comfortable I, which look still had a pretty okay game as far as quarterbacks go yeah yeah um, i think i think you guys really i mean without a jay I, I really like wendell smallwood and just the, the the versatility that he brings to this offense and just the, the pep of energy when this guy comes in. I mean, just I'm really glad that you guys held on to him because I thought for some reason he was not going to stay on this roster. No, I, like I, I didn't think he was going to stay on the roster either. I mean, they've got a lot of guys, but when you really think about it, there's only so many guys on the team because Ajaye and Sproles sat out this game, and yeah. Clement and Smallwood essentially did everything with the you know, and they had to bring up a practice squad guy named Josh Adams. He was the third was string running back. Fantastic in those couple of hard runs. Yeah. I mean, he you could tell that guy was really auditioning to you know, don't forget about me. Oh yeah. So credit to him because he had a couple good good runs in this game. Um, besides that, I, obviously again that that you know that Eagles defense just the saving song every single time. For this team, especially Which is, going down towards the end of the game, man. When Andrew Luck fell at the, on that last and that fourth down play in the red zone, and uh, I, I texted you right after, just like, "Oh my god, I'm sure he's he's probably livid with himself." Uh, because I, I think that that end play right there epitomizes Andrew Luck's career with the Colts. Yeah. I think he's just a, a fantastic quarterback who has just not had. Well, he's never had a team around him. He's never had any kind of personnel around him besides T.Y. Hilton, who, I mean... He's never had an offensive line. He's never had a defense. Nothing. And this seems very vaguely familiar to, at one point, you know, what Peyton Manning dealt with in Indianapolis. It it took a while for things to kind of 
to formulate around him. I wish they would draft a running back who could at least give him a breather. Because uh, I don't like Hines. I don't like anyone on that squad. No. It's it's really, it's it's depressing. And I don't know what's going to happen, you know, at some point, if Luck is going to stick this out or if he's going to demand that, you know, you release me, you trade me, you do something, but I just want out of Indianapolis. I mean, I think I think he'll probably stay for at least a bit. He's got to see how this new regime, you know, reacts. I mean, he's got to see what Frank Reich is going to do over the next year or two. And, and also... He's already survived through Ryan Grigson was an atrocious GM yes, and awesome. you know, we can't sort of, you can't erase the past and forget about the fact that there was just bad draft pick after bad draft pick, bad signing after bad signing. And then, you know, to top it all off, you know, luck didn't help Grigson's cause by being injured for two years. Yeah. And I, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm going to reserve passing judgment on the Colts. The schedule is kind of up and down this season. It's relatively soft, mm-hmm. and they have winnable games. I mean, they're going to be competitive, but when your offensive line is kind of Swiss cheese, it's really not in your favor pretty much every week going forward. Yeah. So I think this is going to be another kind of lackluster, I'd say, you know, 7-9, and 6-10 and 10 kind of season for the Colts. I mean, it'll at least be something to see Andrew Luck play 16 games. That'll be a big step for them. I, I hope, and I hope out of this, they really kind of get a good scope of what they have and say, shit, we really need a good running back. And it was so many running backs in that last Ooh. draft. It was such a depth. Am I crazy back. in thinking, couldn't you have just brought Frank Gore back for like another year? Yes, I mean, Frank Gore, who actually looks great in Miami. Um, also, Adrian Peterson was out there, who now looks wonderful in Washington. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of guys out there who are, you know, there's opportunities to bring in a running back that can give you you need a workhorse back, and they don't really have that in Indianapolis. No. They got guys dink and dunk to. I mean, I tried to draft one of those running backs in fantasy, and I was like, none of these guys are worth having. None of them. Yeah, I didn't even look. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I thought about it, but then I was like, nah, I, I'm gonna go with the second. I'm gonna go with Tevin Coleman before I draft Marlon Mack. I mean, here's that's a project for you right there. Fix the Indianapolis Colts. What do you do? How do you get them? How do you even, go around? Maybe that? that's why Josh McDaniels was like, "Fuck this." Yeah, that's a challenge for you. <laughs> Now, um, let's move on to the last game. So, I agree with you, by the way. I think the Eagles are just hurt. I, You know, yeah. they don't have a burner taking the top off the defense. You know, they moved Torrey Smith. They Mike Wallace is hurt. They're still missing Alshon Jeffrey. I just think, I feel like they're just scraping through September until their whole team comes back. Hey, man, take the W's while they're, they're, they're good. That's you know? right. You know what? Because this, this Eagles team, they're the Super Bowl champs. None of it's going to matter until November or December. Yeah. Now, last game we're going to talk about is the Patriots losing on the road to the Detroit Lions Sunday night. So Matt Patricia's the coach of the Lions, clearly was shooting up the list of first coach fired after two atrocious losses in the first two weeks. Your boy Sam Darnold, you know, just took just took shit right out of his pants and rubbed it in Matt Patricia's face. <laughs> and then the next week you had Jimmy G and the Niners uh, beaten up on the Lions as well. Lions actually were, were they came back in it, but... I feel like everybody was very quickly ready to write them off. And maybe in some crazy way, nobody had any idea about the fact that Matt Patricia just didn't focus on the first two weeks of the season, but probably spent all of that time simply focusing on how the fuck am I going to beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots? Because <laughs> they came out with a game plan, and I mean, holy shit, did they expose the Patriots. The Patriots looked slow. Patriots looked old. 
Their defense did not look ready to play. Um, and Tom Brady didn't look like he really trusted any of his skill position players. Um, I mean, and, and the, and the lions, I mean, for all of the issues they've had, I mean, Matthew Stafford was just throwing it all over the place. Now, all of a sudden golden Tate, you know, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Holy shit. This looks like an offense. Yeah, that trio, man, is I, – and I think Kenny Galladay, I, I mean, when you look at the size, I still remember the, the hit he put on Terrell Pryor oh. in the first game of the season. He's a big freaking guy, man. I mean, Terrell Pryor's not small potatoes either, but he laid him out. Galladay, I think – I want to say secretly he's the number one receiver out there, but, yeah. I mean, you know, any of these three guys are interchangeable. And Marvin Jones Jr., who – criminally underrated and i still think he's one of the reasons why the cincinnati Bengals aren't as good as they were mm. you know when with andy dalton he was so um you know unheralded in that offense and he's just a good number two wherever he goes so i think the lions are pretty solid mm-hmm. i think matt stafford definitely looked like they worked on something in terms of his release he's, he's letting the football go a little bit faster than he was in that first week where he was just getting absolutely mauled, mm. you know, in the pocket. I think they worked on his quick release and uh, come out. They changed a few of those routes for the receivers because they got talent. Like yeah. Golden State can pretty much catch the football anywhere on the field. So I think they tweaked. It looks like they tweaked a few things in that offense, and it's really paid off. And I mean, as for the Patriots, yeah, we got. Is this that time of year where all of a sudden yeah. everyone starts panicking? I mean, you remember a couple of years ago when they lost that game to the Chiefs, and everyone was like, "Is this the end?" Yeah, like and is you know, is that where we're at? We can harp on this, but the Patriots' defense has not been great for years. Yeah. They, when you talk no, about you're own, right, dude. You're so right. It has not been good for years. They've, they've kind of made up for it with good defensive schemes, solid defensive schemes. Not And, and again, you, you make the best of what you have in terms of personnel. And if you're any team that can do it, you, it, the Patriots are a team that, you know, they make the best of what's available to them. When you look at their running back, you know, situation, Sonny Michelle doesn't scare anybody yeah that's 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 a big issue is people are really now i i'm thinking he's hurt yeah do you think he's hurt or do you like because everyone's like this is a number one pick and they he's he is not a replacement for Dion lewis i mean patriots fans are ready to fucking crucify him at this point that's got to be taken with a grain of salt he had 14 carries of 50 yards i mean that's half a body of work you know for any good running back I, i i honestly think Relax, guys. Just give it a little bit of time. This kid, I think Sonny Michelle is going to be great. It, it, I mean, when you look at just the overall offensive scheme that they have, I again, it's not super scary. Gronkowski is great. I mean, I really think we should wait one until Josh Gordon is up and running with this offense to yeah. see if you know. I mean, do you a- think he could make the Kool Aid that, that is the cool? Uh, oh God, he's the thing that makes the Kool Aid the the straw that makes the Kool Aid stir. <laughs> Look, I mean, when you think about the, what Brandon Cooks brought to this offense last year, and I'm still, by the way, my mind is still blown that they did not give Brandon Cooks any kind of offer. Dude, they don't. They don't want to pay anybody. I mean, just God. I mean, I'm sure. I'm, it's not. I'm. I'm imagining a guy like Brandon Cooks isn't asking you, you know, for the kitchen sink, but just an opportunity to, to go back to a Super Bowl. And anyone would take a discount to play with this Patriots team. Just, it's the Patriot. I mean, I can't knock their moves because they're the Patriots and they've won as many titles yeah. as they've had. But this is not this is a common tale: cutting guys and yeah. moving guys before they needed to. I mean, I, all I have: is Richard Sermon, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, 
Brandon Cooks. List goes on no and on. Surrender. No surrender, these guys. I mean, look, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out. They're one and two, yes. The Dolphins are three and oh, which is fucking bizarre. Dude, and you know they're playing the Dolphins this week in New England. It's gonna be Pat's Dolphins. So I mean, you know that's gonna be a statement game. And I, I, I would never count them out. I I expect them to beat the Dolphins. But if they go down to the Dolphins, I mean then no, you're they're really gonna be gonna in have- New England, it's not gonna be in Miami. Yeah, you're really going to have Patriot Nation worry if the Dolphins go into Gillette Stadium and put a beating on them. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't really see it happening. I see the Patriots looking at this as kind of that game where you you know, you know plant one foot and you right the ship. Mm. So look, look for one. Don't be surprised if Gordon, even if he doesn't get a lot of snaps to get some reps in this game, to kind of see how he runs with this offense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look for the Patriots to really, I mean, really air the football out. Tom Brady really has not, he doesn't have, yeah. look. A, I don't think the trust is there with his receiving core. Who the hell is catching the ball? Yeah, I remember I saw a couple of deep passes. I can't remember his name. He was a number two receiver for the Colts for Philip Dorsett. Dorsett, yes, they were throwing deep passes to him. Dude, he was he is not on the level as, as some of the other receivers like, that is this Brady's where had. We have come to? Is this what is this what we've become what happened to Chris Hogan? Where was the faith in him? I but I don't know, dude. He's out there, man. And and now they're yeah. sitting here saying, you know, we, we just need to wait for Julian Edelman to get back. When you look at this it's Corderell Patterson, it's Chris Hogan, Rex Burke. I mean, when you look at the stats for who's out there catching balls for Tom Brady. We got a problem. This yeah. is a fundamental problem. They still need one wide receiver that he trusts, that runs good routes, that gets himself, you know, that 15 or 20-yard open route. And they need someone to kind of break it up because once Tom Brady has that guy they can key in on, it forces the defense to play him a little bit more honest. And once that happens, they can actually run the football. And they can have any bum run the football with this Patriots offense when you have to respect the pass. And even a guy like Sonny Michel, who is a rookie, he's a good rookie. And, I mean, when you key in on him, of course Patriots are going to be upset that he's not a superstar yet. I of mean, course. what do you expect with this offense? Um, okay. Jets-Jaguars in Jacksonville. Um, I mean, who do you think's going to win? Like, do, do you talk to me right now? Just give me a pick. I'm being realistic. You can't bet against Jacksonville. Yeah, they're too, uh, they're, they're if, too dominant if, right now. I don't know if Leonard Fournette is going to be healthy enough to come back for this game because he's been dealing with, I think it's that hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. And TJ Yeldon's finally gotten his starting job back for the time being. Hasn't really done a, an incredible job, which, again, TJ Yeldon is kind of underwhelming, but I still wouldn't count him out in terms of being an every down back in this game. You never know what you're going to get with Blake Bortles. As we saw last week, uh, just what a, a mess of a game that was. Um, now, uh, my Eagles are on the road against the Tennessee Titans. Who do you yeah. think is going to win that game? I don't like the Titans. I, I I don't know what it is. I like Marcus Mariota. I don't know if it's the play calling is my problem with Tennessee, but they've squandered a lot of good talent. I agree. And I just don't know what it is that – you got Derrick Henry. You got, you got so many guys. They on just the- got Deion Lewis. I mean, shit. There's, they should be able to do something with this. They should not be struggling to formulate offense at the least. And, I mean, I know Blaine Gabbert started and got hurt, and Mariota came in and played pretty solid. But I, they still don't scare me. Corey Davis is supposed to be this badass. He's not. He doesn't scare me. I mean, they just have they have some um, they have some flaws to fill, and they just really, you know, 
Yeah. They don't look great. I don't see them. I don't see them even competing. I think this is going to be a solid, dominant win by the Eagles. Oh wow! I think it'll be a little closer because I think the Eagles are still struggling to find their mojo. But I, I do think the Eagles will pick up the win. Um, look, I, I do not I think, think much of Tennessee right now. Consider, I, I think probably I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles look a little bit at the plays that didn't work on offense and what kind of stagnated the offense and make some tweaks. I would love to see Aguilar get some more targets. See what I happens. Agree. I mean, he's he's got the speed. He he can you know he can run after the catch. I think really give him a chance to make the defenses really pay attention to him. It can really open things up. And Zacharis is always going to be a threat no yeah. matter what. And and Tennessee, you know, one of their better, you know, their corners, they've got good corners. So, yeah. you know, to, to throw th- to throw some passes underneath and in the slot, really make those corners kind of suck them down towards the defensive line. I mean, I think you'll see some success for the Eagles in that. They definitely got, they had the personnel to open up opportunities, regardless of the injuries. Yeah. Um, all right, dude, I think it's time to get the hell out of here. Uh, everyone, thank you very much for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. Email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com if you've got any random comments or if you just want to, you know, throw in a, a particular thing you want me and Shaka to mention. Um, but that's it for this week. Uh, we're getting out of here. Enjoy this weekend slate of games. We will certainly be doing that, and uh, we'll be back next week to break them down for you guys. We'll talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Enjoy the games, guys.